Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they was pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about Baltos? Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for being so patient with me and joining me here again on the Atheist Roundtable. This is a live call-in show, so if you want to call in to be part of the show when it's live, you call. 347-838-8342. That's the number to call when the show is live. Hopefully I am back. Hopefully this is the start of me coming back and doing these shows weekly, Sunday night at 11 p.m. every week. I really hope that I'm going to be able to do this. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who has given me and my family so much support uh, since, uh, since my wife was diagnosed with cancer uh, in early February. Uh, and I've had to take the show off the air for a few months so that we can deal with those kinds of things. Uh, her chemotherapy has now ended, all right? And while we are certainly nowhere near healed, um, I think the recovery from here is, is downhill. I, I, th- I think we're finally to a point that maybe we can um, breathe a sigh of relief that the worst part is over. Okay, I'm really hoping that we can get there because I'm ready to be on the med. Uh, if you've never experienced chemotherapy at all or never experienced a loved one uh, having to experience chemotherapy, let me just say, <laughs> not not a good time. I don't recommend this for a vacation. Okay, I just, I just would not recommend this as some kind of recreational activity. That is not my recommendation. I want to thank everyone just one last time for being so patient and so supportive uh, for, to, to me and my family. It's just amazing. You guys have been amazing. And I just want to say thank you so much. It means everything to me and to my family. So thank you. My name, by the way, never said that. My name is Andrew Garber. And I, I just want to, I, I, I'm so grateful to be able to be back. I'm so happy to be back. You know, podcasting really has become part of my life has become the part of me that allows me to express myself in a way that I just don't get the opportunity to do so outside of this time that I share with you, hopefully again every week. Um, So I'm really excited to be able to get back to it. There's a topic that's been on my mind for a while now. There's something that's been bothering me. Well, not bothering me. There's something that's been fermenting if you will, in my mind for quite some time. It's this idea that as a social lubricant, religion and alcohol are two of the, are, are two amazingly similar social lubricants. Now what I mean by a social lubricant is that I mean something that's going to quickly and easily bring two strangers together and allow them to form a perhaps superficial but meaningful bond quickly and easily. And a bond that's going to be able to be able that's going to be able to grow 
into something else, maybe bigger, stronger, quickly and easily. Right? That's what social lubricants are supposed to be able to do. They're supposed to be able to make our interactions with each other smoother and simpler and easier. They're supposed to allow us to make bonds with one another that are superficial at first, but then they grow into bigger and more amazing things. I think it's really easy to see how sharing something in common can help build, can help make that initial connection happen. And it can be anything, really. I mean, it doesn't have to be religion. It doesn't have to be fear. It could be sports. It could be politics. It could be work. Okay? It could be a... Um, it could be something else that we're passionate about. It could be activism. All right? All of these things can be social lubricants so that we can immediately identify someone else as a potential ally in life or in activism or in religion, these are the ways that we can identify the people who are likely to be on our side on something. And when it, when it comes to social lubricants, I think it's interesting that um, it doesn't really seem to matter. How, how could you possibly find two things, I think, to me, that are uh, more different in terms of stakes than, I mean, like, uh, uh, what's at stake uh, between beer and God? You know, if you went up to someone and, and, and realized that they were having a beer or enjoying a beer, it's like, oh, well, having a beer. What kind of beer are you enjoying? And you might say, and they might say something like, I'm enjoying brand, I don't know, what's a beer? Uh, I'm enjoying brand cold beer. I don't drink beer. I don't like alcohol. But um, and, and and the person uh, the other person comes up and says, "Oh, you're drinking cold beer. I like I just call it beer." And it's just but if you don't like beer, whatever. What's your drink? What's your pleasure? What's your poison? Uh, 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 martinis, I think, are a thing, or daiquiris, I think, are a thing. I should say I should say now. But I'm not a drinker, okay? I don't drink alcohol. It's not my thing. It's just not me, okay? It's not, it's not me. I find that I do not require alcohol to, uh, to, in order to interact socially with other people. Um, and I don't, I don't like the taste. And I'm diabetic, so my doctor says, hey, no fermented sugars for you. So I, I I don't drink. All right. Last reason con, the, the reason con in Hickory, North Carolina, the one that's coming up in 2017 in April. So mark your calendars. The last reason con, I was the only person I saw who had not a sip of alcohol the entire night. I know what you're saying. You're thinking, but Andrew wasn't Bobby C from No Religion Required. There doesn't Bobby C never drink. Well, I saw Bobby C with a beer that night. So he had one. I didn't. So when it comes to the alcohol, I got no idea what I'm talking about. But it is something that people use in order to break the ice, in order to make a connection with other people. Religion does the same thing. Right? If you see someone else who loves Jesus, or if they're in a church scenario, it's easy to make that first connection because you know you share something in common. 
And it's easy to grow that kind of connection out out from that initial connection. That's what social lubricants do. The thing that I find interesting then is that both alcohol and religion get really messy as social lubricants if they if you use too much of them. Think about the guy at the last party that you saw who used to be ten minutes ago the life of the party, dancing and I don't know, whatever the heck else that drunk people do. Uh, acting silly, falling down. Falling down is the thing that drunk people do often. Five minutes ago, he was the life of the party, and now he's had too much and he's barfing all over the front yard, right? That's the thing that happens when you have too much alcohol. It stops being a social lubricant and starts being something of a social hindrance because you've had too much. And I think the same thing kind of applies to religion, don't you? Like, if at a at a very mild level, then your religion is a way of just making nice people to come together. As soon as, though, you get too much religion, as soon as it becomes too uh, conservative or becomes too fundamentalist, you get into a lot of trouble. And, and, and whereas 10 minutes ago, you were singing Jesus loves everyone, now suddenly you're wanting to stop people from doing things like marrying people they love or enacting bodily autonomy over themselves. That, that's, that's really bad stuff. That's socially puking in the front yard because you've had too much religion. And I really think that there's a lot of parallels here that, that between religion and alcohol as social lubricants. You know, you, it, it's easy to make bonds. You drink too much and you're out in the front yard. That religion is a better or worse social lubricant. You know, I don't know if it's really better or worse, except for that whole, you know, what's at stake kind of thing. I've never seen two people, for example, get into a fist fight because one likes brand X and the other likes brand Y of whatever alcoholic beverage that they want to imbue at that moment. Nobody gets into fights because somebody won't drink the last Miller Lite, all right? That's not a thing that happens. But people do, of course, get into big fights, big, big fights over which version of Jesus is real, which version of God is real. Those stakes... I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes religion better or worse. And when the stakes are higher, those bonds have a reason to want to form and become stronger. I mean, when you initially find yourself in a religious scenario, and you're, and you're the one thing that you have in common with all the other people is a belief in Jesus. I, I, I know atheists know that if you find five believers, all right, and you talk to them about their ideas of God, you're going to get six, at least six different versions from those five people, different versions of God. The one that each of those five people brought to the table, and the one, at least one more, that they all believe, uh, thinking they believe in, after they talk to each other about what they initially believed in. So they all kind of congeal and mesh and form around each other, and then they go off in their own separate ways again. 
I think atheists easily understand that the variety of the Jesuses that people believe in are as varied as the people themselves. I don't know that believers also get that. I kind of think they do. I, I, I think it's some level that they do because because there's that that, 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 that hesitation, that trepidation, that, that that moment when you leave the oh yeah I love Jesus too moment and you have to start talking about what you actually actually believe. When you when you have to start talking about the beliefs that you actually hold. Does Jesus want you to kill the game? Give. Or does he want you to not forget? What does your version of Jesus want you to do? And I think that it's easy for atheists to see that the answer is as as buried as the people. Because it's a reflection of the people. But I don't know that believers can see that as easily. I wonder if, because of that, it's easier to form these bonds when you are a fundamentalist because there's less nuance there in those beliefs. I wonder if it's like um, uh, bonding over beers versus bonding over uh, uh, something strong, vodka. I don't don't know Uh, because, again, I don't drink. So um, it is easier because there's less nuance there. There's less filler. You're going straight to the point. Uh, You're going straight to exactly what the Bible says. If the Bible says that you're supposed to hate people, then that's what you do because the Bible says it. Sometimes I think that uh, perhaps if we removed the religion, if we substituted beer for religion. I wonder what kinds of bonds we would be able to substitute, what kinds of bonds we would be able to build with beer rather than with beliefs. I wonder if they'd be the same. I wonder if it's why the Catholic faith keeps wine central to its ceremony. I wonder if those bonds that we can form over beer and barbecue can be just as strong as those bonds formed in a faith kind of scenario. I don't know. I mean, when I'm bonding over beer and barbecue, the reason I'm doing that is because I have a general interest in whether or not this person is going to be a friend of mine or not, be an ally in my life, you know? They're going to be the kind of person that I can rely on for simple things like company or if they're going to be someone I can depend on to help me do activism or to help me do something else. I don't know. But I know that I'm much more likely to be able to rely on that person if I make friends with them. In a religious setting, I wonder if it's the same thing. Do I, am I looking for someone to be an ally? So often in religious settings, eventually 
some kind of, I don't know, uh, hierarchy, pecking order, authority line, they tend to uh, emerge. Social rings, cliques, I don't know. Uh, I always saw it when I was a believer. When I went to church, I would see the circles of friends that my parents would be in, and some circles of friends would not talk to other circles of friends. You know that. I wonder, I, I don't do that kind of thing with my, with my real-life friends. And I don't, I was going to say I don't see it in the thick of the movement, but that's not true. I do see cliques kind of forming in the atheist and secular movement. But I really think that that has more to do with the goals of those particular groups. I really think that has more to do with what they want to accomplish. Perhaps that's what it is. Anyway, that's what I got for this, my comeback episode for the Atheist Roundtable. Look, uh, I know it's a little short, but the fact of the matter is that uh, I had a whole long thing, and it left my brain, because this will is, at least tonight, still a stream of consciousness show. Now, I know I've promised you changes in the format of the show. I know that I've said that, and I still do have those ideas in my head for future changes to the format of the show. Namely, I want to bring in other people, and I want to have like a rotating panel of guests uh, where I can discuss these kinds of things with them. Um, For the time being, however, I will say that what I do want to do is start at least by Tuesday posting the topic of that Sunday's show on Facebook so that if you have any ideas, any comments, any uh, input that you would like to have, please find the Atheist Roundtable Facebook page and follow that page, and you will find those links, and then you'll comment, and you'll, I will be able to interact with you that way via Facebook. Of course, if 11 o'clock on a Sunday night is just way too late for you to ever want to call into a call-in show and you want to ask a question with your voice because you found that typing things out leaves out the nuance of the fluctuations in your voice, that's okay, too. You can always leave a voicemail on the Atheist Roundtable voicemail line, which is, uh, uh-oh, 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 I lost, oh, there it is. See, it's been so long that I misplaced my own voicemail number. It is 765-280-3066. That's the voicemail line for the Atheist Roundtable, 765-280-3066. If you want, I'll even play it on the show. But um, if you don't want me to, well, then I definitely won't. I want to make some changes to the show. I want to have more people on it. I've listened to the criticisms that I've had. This this is a roundtable of one, and I want to make that... uh, I want to make that change. Uh, I need your help to do that, okay? And I need your help by giving me the input and the feedback on the Facebook page, on the voicemail line, by emailing andrewtheatheist at gmail.com, and I will be able to bring all those kind of things together with you, my family. Um, Again, I, I, I can't express in words the gratitude that I feel to the people who listen to this show. I I just can't express it in words 
you guys um, really made me feel so good by letting me know that you were waiting for new shows, that you were expecting me to come back, uh, that, that, that for all the well wishes uh, that you sent to me and my family, I, I, I'm at a loss for words for a way to express my gratitude for that. I'm so glad to be able to be back, hoping that this is going to be an ongoing thing so that I can keep doing this kind of thing. One last thing, um, and then I'll cut the show short just a little bit tonight. Listen, um, I'm going to actually start using the Patreon page that I made like a year ago that I never did anything for, Okay. Uh, I'm going to start Patreon, so please, if you enjoy the show and if you are able, please go over to patreon.com forward slash Atheist Roundtable and, uh, and support the show that way. Uh, I will, I'm going to start posting over there. I think this show will be the first show that I post there since my interview with Dave Foda. Um, so uh, I don't want you to feel like you have to. But if you can, I would greatly appreciate it. Go over to patreon.com slash Atheist Roundtable. Throw the show a buck or two. That would be great. What that will do, what that will do is that one day allow me to move out of the 11 o'clock time slot, move to a more prime time time slot on blog talk radio, and allow for a longer time. All right? That's the way that this show is going to improve. Okay? That's the way this show is going to get better is with those Patreon dollars. That's that's exactly what I'm going to use those for. So um, thank you again to everyone. My name has been Andrew Garver. Follow me on Facebook. Send me emails at andrewtheatheist@gmail.com. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable. And most importantly, most importantly, go to iTunes and leave me your oh-so-coveted five-star reviews. I do so coveted those five-star reviews. Uh, they make me feel all warm and fuzzy, more, almost as much as uh, all the love that you have sent to me uh, through my wife's illness. So thank you so much. And until next time, take care of yourselves because God isn't here. We are. Good night. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of atheists, humanists, and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God is here. We are. Take care of yourselves.